Support for WRFA is brought to you in part by listeners like you, who believe in the vital public service WRFA provides through its arts and education programming, as well as through our coverage of local news and public affairs. Plus, your generous support lets us provide a number of volunteer-based programs to be shared on our airwaves. Help keep community radio in Jamestown and Chautauqua County alive by making a contribution today. To make a tax-deductible donation or learn more about becoming a station underwriter, use the donate page on our website, wrfalp.com, or send a check to WRFA Radio, 116 East 3rd Street, Jamestown, New York. Or you can call 716-664-2465. Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist provides more details about a community policing initiative he announced in June. We welcome Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist to the WRFA studios today for our monthly chat. So good morning. Good morning. It's always tough to be here right after a holiday. It is. As I was saying to you before, I, I wasn't sure what day it was. We're not even talking on our usual monthly day. So, uh, but going. Fourth of July aside, going way uh, back in June, because we can say way back in June now, you announced a new community policing initiative you're calling Safer Jamestown Now. And there are a number of things that were outlined in that. What what are the next steps with this initiative? Yeah, we're really excited to launch the Safer Jamestown Now, which stands for Neighbors on Watch. Uh, the reality is, is that we want our, our neighbors, right, our, our residents to start to take back our neighborhoods. And so we've uh, we've worked through a process of trying to uh, not only uh, enhance and increase our neighborhood watches, but focus on uh, community policing, focus on uh, our youth and youth mentoring programs uh, to help stop some additional violence. So you asked, where do we where do we go from here with this program? And I know you guys did some great reporting on it. Uh, we are we're looking to start to engage the community and understand where can the city get best involved in this process. Um, how do we then uh, engage our police department to revitalize our neighborhood watches? Uh, and we are going to be working with our human rights commission and the police department to uh, start community meetings uh, across across the city uh, to just understand what do we what do our residents what do our neighbors want from public safety at this moment in time because uh, things have changed they've changed across the nation they've changed across the city and i think it's a it's an opportunity for us to take stock to figure out what is it that we need to feel safe and secure in our neighborhoods mm-hmm. when it comes to neighborhood watch there, there has been a program in jamestown that i think obviously things have changed with that uh have you had any indication of why the number of neighborhood watch groups, I should say, in Jamestown, why that's been on a decline? Yeah, people change. And uh, so do the the participants of those watches change. And so I think many times uh, bringing those people together frequently, uh, you know, caused a lot of a lot of issues or uh, just it was too much of a of a time commitment. I mean, you wrap that into uh, to COVID where people didn't see each other forever, right? It's it becomes an issue. But as a city, we've started to dedicate uh, resources to those neighborhood watch programs. And what we want to do is double those efforts, uh, work with other agencies uh, to help us in that process, uh, and really start helping people reconnect with their neighbors. I think that's one of the toughest things that I've seen, especially going door to door and talking to residents, is that they really don't talk to their neighbors as much anymore, right? Uh, maybe there's a group neighborhood group chat, maybe there's some discussion, but I think we wanna bring back the ability for neighbors to talk with each other 
and help to make their streets safer. What what is a neighborhood watch group? What what do they do? Um, in terms of I, obviously talking to neighbors is one thing, but what is a, a neighborhood watch group really? What is involved with that? Yeah, so if if you're familiar with kind of uh, block groups, right, or block clubs, it's kind of like that, but uh, a little bit more juice. Uh, what do I mean by that? That means that uh, neighbors would uh, get together. They would work directly with the police department and other na- other agencies uh, to keep their neighborhood safe. They would provide information uh, as necessary to uh, police and other public safety. Uh, They would work with and get contacts with the people in the city that they need to to keep their neighborhood clean. Uh, So we would be able to utilize those block clubs, those neighborhood watches to uh, help us make your community, your neighborhood more of a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So one thing that maybe is maybe a little stick in the plan is that I understand that um, JPD's community service officer, he was recently promoted. So that's great news for Matt Reinhart. But um, as I understand, there's not a community service officer right now in the police department. So is there plans to replace him? Yeah. So that position is posted and then it takes some time once it's posted uh, to fill that spot. So we're in the process now of uh, trying to fill that specific uh, spot in the police department. Uh, And once we have that, we think this is a perfect opportunity to utilize that position to help us revitalize some of these neighborhood watches and start to implement some of the programs under the Safer Jamestown Now initiative. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to community meetings, the Jamestown Police Department and Department of Development, they have about, I think, four community meetings that they have scheduled over the next month and into early August. But those are different from these other community meetings you're mentioning? Are they one of the same with the Human Rights Commission? No, those are are separate. So the police department is uh, doing community outreach as part of its uh, gun-involved violence program. Uh, So they receive a fairly large grant in order to uh, help reduce uh, violence, gun violence on our streets. And so they are they are going actively uh, to have those community meetings uh, to talk to the community, engage and answer questions. I think with the Human Rights Commission, we are uh, also bringing those people together, but we're just giving the public more opportunities to say exactly what they need on their streets and on their blocks. Uh, you know, I, I, I would love to say, and I, and, I, and I really do not like the phrase that people are, are saying, which is like, sometimes there could be too many community meetings. I think that people come to meetings when they feel like there's something that they need to talk about. And we want to give our residents, our neighbors, an opportunity to show up when they can to talk about the issues that they're going that are going on in their day to day life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned a mentoring program. Is there something that you're looking at doing with Striders, or is this a different kind of youth mentoring that you're looking at doing with, with the public school districts? So we're still working through that. We've had some initial discussions with the uh, the public schools about uh, you know really dealing with violence outside of the school day. Uh, so in the community. Uh, so what we saw, especially in the last, uh, I would say, year, was additional uh, violence from our youth, but they would happen outside of schools, right? It may not have been during the school day. It may have been right outside the school. Uh, so we're, we're, we've been working with them to try to figure out how do we make that happen. And part of this Safer Now initiative is to bring together the schools, the faith-based groups, these organizations that are helping our kids already bring them together and try to figure out a way that we can create these mentorship programs to not only stop the violence, uh, but also uh, work to get some of these guns off the street that we are seeing our youth have. Mm-hmm. Is there um, thought about maybe providing activities for, it's, I know when you get to the the teenager years that 
it's and this is a lot of things that communities face outside of Jamestown too is that finding activities for teenagers to help with deflecting them away from activities that maybe they shouldn't be involved in. Is it, has that been thought about? It certainly has. In fact, uh, Julie, I'll tell you, one of the things that I often hear, at least in the last couple of years, is the need for a large uh, community and rec center here in the city of Jamestown. Uh, that's a much larger goal. It's obviously a very expensive proposition, uh, but it is something that I'm, I'm continuously hearing and uh, would love to start to work through that. There are, there are several organizations that have come forward to talk about this idea. Uh, but uh, in the interim, yes, we are looking at what can we do for our teens? What can we do uh, for our youth uh, that would be a positive impact, right? How do we connect them with people that are in the community, leaders in the community that are doing good work and can help mentor some of these youth? Thinking about youth, but on a different level, uh, the New York State Legislature voted down the legislation to allow Jamestown to install school safety zone cameras. And this this even include our own Assemblyman Andy Goodell voting against this. So what happens now with that initiative? That was something that's been talked about at length, I think, at various city council meetings about this need for wanting to create safe, better safe zones around our schools. And the cameras was one way to do it. Do you continue on with that or is it... Are you moving forward with another initiative? Yeah, so we're we're still continuing forward with that. I think that some of the concern, and I've, I've actually been to Albany and I've talked to the legislators about, about this bill. Um, we initially worked with uh, Assemblyman Adele and Senator Borello to create a bill that we thought would address all of the original issues from the, the school zone camera bills that are across the state. Um, in uh, talking to many of the legislators and especially those running the committees, uh, the, the thought was that uh, the only way Jamestown is going to get that camera bill is going to be if it, if it matches the same bills every other location has, has submitted. So I think some of the concern that happened was we had worked to draft it. It got put forward by our assemblyman and uh, state senator. And because it didn't match what the other bills were along the line, uh, they weren't willing to move it forward. So we're continuing to have some discussions because I think at the end of the day, there's a way for us to match what the normal school zone bills are, uh, but also add some flexibility for the city to make adjustments to address some of the needs that have been raised by Assemblyman Goodell or uh, Senator Borello uh, in various iterations of the bill. What were some of the things that were different from ones that had passed versus what Jameson had proposed. There are some questions over uh, liability, uh, who's driving the car, how you can uh, you know, propose that you weren't driving the car, your car was stolen. Uh, there's some questions over process, right? Uh, how do we ensure that there's a, a, a very specific process to challenging a ticket? Um, also ensuring that uh, everything has been calibrated and tested and in some cases that cost, uh, in some places that cost has fallen on the city and others it's fallen on, uh, on the actual company. So I, I think some of, the, some of the bills actually did address that and said, hey, no, the city really shouldn't pay for calibration since the company should be doing it. Uh, so those are a few of the things that were uh, trying to be addressed as part of the, uh, the, the bill. All right. Yeah. Uh, there was recently a story in a Dunkirk Observer about the issues the village of Fredonia is having with their bird bike scooter rental program. And we know that the city has entered into a contract with bird bike and are they're still in the process of, I think, getting things underway here. But have you heard anything more about how that 
effort is going forward here and and are you working on addressing those concerns that uh, Fredonia is having with bird bike for Jamestown? We certainly are. I mean, the city of Jamestown is not the first uh, municipality to enter into this agreement with bird. Uh, in fact, at Dunkirk has one as well as Fredonia. And in fact, it's uh, been going fairly well in Dunkirk. We haven't heard a lot of issues uh, there. I think the key to this program is ensuring that you've got the right contractor to manage uh, the bikes and scooters in various locations. And I will note that Jamestown will be the first one to have e-bikes. Uh, so it's a little bit different. Uh, we we recognize that some of those scooters might have a tough time getting up the hills, uh, but we're very excited to be able to roll out both. Uh, but we want to. We have been working with Bird to make sure that they have the right contractor in place. That we've identified specific drop zones. So unlike those other locations, we want very specific areas for those bikes and scooters to go in, so they don't impede uh, other uh, sidewalk traffic and pedestrian traffic. Uh, and we want to make sure that the program is solid before we roll it out. Uh, so as mayor, I, I've had conversations with Bird, and Bird has said, let's just roll out scooters and see how it goes. And we've pushed back, and we've said, absolutely not. We want to make sure you've got a solid contractor, that you're following the city's plan for where bikes and scooters are going, and that we can uh, deliver on our promise to roll out both bikes and scooters uh, in this city. So until Bird can match those items, I don't want to roll a program out to the public uh, that is haphazard and will eventually cause further issues. Mm -hmm. Do you see that this is something that can get resolved for this summer? We're hoping. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I think uh, post COVID, we found that everything takes a long time uh, to roll out. And uh, we're working through that process. Uh, we do know that we, because of when we passed the, the contract, that Bird has put us in line for the bike program. Uh, so it's a little bit harder to find the e-bikes. Uh, so they've, they've put us in line for that. So we're, we're hoping to get those things uh, rolled out. The biggest hurdle right now is just finding the right contractor and making sure that person is going to work for what we're looking for here in the city of Jamestown. Mm -hmm. And this contractor, just to remind people, is that this is someone that work for Bird. This is not a city employee. That's correct. Yep, under the Bird contract, actually, Bird provides all of the uh, all of the equipment, uh, the charging, the storage, and the contractor. And the city receives a per ride fee uh, from each use. Mm -hmm. uh, city council at their June meeting approved installing new safety lights under the North Main Street viaduct. Do you have a timetable for when people might? expect to see those new lights go in? Uh, I don't have a timetable yet. Now that we have the, the funds that are there, what we'll do is we'll start the bidding process. Unfortunately, it's a public works project, so we'll have to bid it out, uh, see uh, who what those, comes, what those come back in, as well as understand the timeline of any contractor to install them. I do know that there are some outlets and some electric that's already there in the viaduct area. Uh, there's been some discussion of trying to make sure that whatever lights we, we choose there also connect to the overall city lighting system that we have currently. That includes the bridges, the silo, as well as the um, city hall lighting. Mm -hmm. And with the other ideas for improving that area underneath the viaduct with either artwork and that, is that something that Department of Development will still look at going forward with or looking into or looking at other funds that maybe they could get for that? Absolutely. We've actually applied for several different grants uh, for that viaduct. Unfortunately, I've just not been successful to reactivate that space. Uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunities that you can do with those with those spaces that is more than just lighting. 
uh, you know, there's opportunities there that we can we can look at. We've applied for various grants. We're continuing to do so, but this is just the first step in the process because this will require uh, some work underneath the viaduct to get the electric and other things uh, properly inspected and run, as well as uh, you know start to prep that site for for other potential opportunities. And mm-hmm. we're now into miss the summer. I mean, now that it's, we're past July fourth, and there's always a, a wide variety of programs and events happening in Jamestown. Uh, one thing that was budgeted for but isn't happening is the Parks Department summer playground program. So, what, what was the story with why that didn't go forward this year? You know, we've had some challenges with the summer uh, playground program the last several years. Uh, you know, we've 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 cut it a couple of years during COVID. Uh, I think the biggest challenge that we've had has really been uh, trying to employ individuals to to work for the program. We've also just seen dwindling numbers uh, from from kids, uh, from youth in the community. Uh, so last year we ended up having to reduce the number of playgrounds uh, that we we serviced. Uh, and I think this year, uh, coupled with the school district runs programs, there's a bunch of other community entities that also do summer programs. Um, we decided this year just not to continue with that with that program. It is it is unfortunate, but it was a, a perfect storm of uh, loss of youth uh, that go to the programs, as well as trying to find actual uh, you know people to run uh, the program. And so we're we're working through that, but we're also ensuring that there's still meals available uh, for for kids and for our youth at the uh, various playgrounds uh, through the YMCA as well as uh, there's still programs going on with the school district, which will help uh, provide some enrichment as well as learning for kids. Is there any thought for providing other activities that are, because the playground program having been a free program, is there any thought to doing some sort of alternative in, for future summers? Yeah, we're, we're certainly looking into that. Uh, we're, we're trying to go through that process. There's not a, a specific plan yet. Uh, but we're we're continuing to work through that. Now, I will say all of the other programs I mentioned are still free uh, for 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 kids. Okay, um, and also just because we're going to enter a couple days here where it's actually hot in Jamestown, uh, do we have any updates on what is going on with the splash pads for uh, Allen and Jackson Taylor Park? Yeah, so we've had some backlog on ordering some of the components for the splash pad, uh, but we're we're still scheduled to actually uh, complete uh, to work on and complete the Allen Park splash pad. Uh, this year, uh, I'm hoping we get it done by summer. But uh, with the with the delay, the supply chain delay that we had in the equipment, uh, it's it's been a little tough to get that squared away. Uh, but I will also say that we're working on the Jackson Taylor Park one. Uh, we uh, have and are working through the getting a contractor to do soil samples. Uh, so just as a reminder to your listeners, the city council uh, asked that soil samples be done on that splash pad location before we do any work on it. So. Um, that process just takes longer and is going to be, it just requires us to get a contractor to do the soil samples, to analyze them and continue forward with it. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that that one, uh, you know, we'll be able to get those soil samples done by end of summer. Okay. Yeah. And you're still using the same contractor that had been used for a previous project at Jackson Taylor? I think. Uh, no, we're going to be, we're going to be looking at different ones. So we did uh, have a contractor that had soil samples. Uh, that redid the uh, bathroom locations. Unfortunately, that contractor has not been super responsive uh, to get back with us on um, reanalyzing those soil samples. Uh, so we're we're working through several other contractors to try to get that done quicker. 
Okay. Uh, something else that the city received a, a $150,000 grant from the Federal Communications Commission to contract with a person to promote their affordability connectivity program. And then you announced at the, uh, the Safer Now Jamestown, um, or Safer Jamestown Now press conference, that you intend this position to also be a public information officer for the city. So, uh, where have you started the hiring process for that position and what will that person be doing? Yeah, we're really excited to be able to receive this uh, grant through the FCC. Uh, you don't normally think of the city of Jamestown as, a, as an entity to receive a grant uh, from, from those types of places, but uh, the program itself is actually meant to provide communication and outreach on the um, affordable communications uh, program. So that's uh, reducing your internet and broadband costs uh, in this area. So the city's been identified as an area of high need uh, and potential uh, greatest usage for this program, given our levels of poverty as well as our access to internet services. Uh, so under this program, though, the way that we wrote the grant is we would also we would hire a person full time uh, as a contractor position and provide not only the outreach for broadband services, but communications. So the official title would actually be a digital equity and communications coordinator for the city. Um, it would also have a dual role providing public information. Uh, so we're very excited about this. We have uh, we've received several applications, um, really, really good ones. Um, I think we've probably received just around 20 applications. Uh, and there are uh, several that are local. There's some within Western New York. And we received a bunch actually from out of state uh, that are interested in, in this role in the city of Jamestown. Uh, so we're, we're starting the interview process actually next week. Uh, so we're hoping to be able to uh, get an agreement uh, together in July and hopefully run that through city council. Since this is a contracted position, there would be a, a contractual agreement uh, and uh, get that person started as soon as possible. The, the grant has officially started as of the beginning of July uh, for the FCC. So we're, we're trying to work through that, get someone in and, and start moving along. So and this is a two-year contract? This is a two-year grant, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, for, I mean, understanding what they're going to be doing on the digital equity side. So for the public information, is this something that this person will be putting out public information for all the city, like including fire and police yes, and stuff? That is correct. Yep. So we're we right now we we have what I often call decentralized communications. So we do have the mayor's office, which puts out a lot of information uh, for various departments, depending on their workload. Uh, sometimes the fire puts out information. Uh, the police obviously have used their community resource officer in the past uh, to provide that information. Uh, but we, we, we are looking to centralize some of those things so that we can get that information out in a clear and concise manner. And uh, to also really pro just provide more information to the public on what some of these departments do. I don't think we publicize enough some of the work that we're doing here in the city. And so we're, we're trying to ensure that we've got uh, one individual that's able to work with all of those departments, including the city council, uh, and get information out uh, to the public as, as it is, uh, as becomes available. All right. And thinking about Internet and all that, uh, it was recently announced that New York State is receiving $664 million through the infrastructure bill to bring broadband to underserved communities. And my understanding is that once the state has the monies, that the Internet, that Internet service companies can apply for funds to expand their service area. So what do you see happening with maybe have you heard of local 
ISPs who might be applying for this money that you know service Jamestown, and also what are going on with your own broadband initiatives here? Yeah, so we haven't heard of any ISPs that are going to apply locally, where uh, but they wouldn't necessarily tell us uh, about that, you know. So. Uh, but we are working directly with the state to talk about uh, the municipal broadband expansion program. Uh, so we have been working directly with the new head of the broadband office in uh, for New York State. And we've been um, really excited to be able to work with them and the contractors they use to help manage this, this new fund. Uh, and so I anticipate that the city will probably be uh, first in line for an application, a grant application uh, for a potential broadband program. Uh, we're still working through that. There's no applications that have been put out yet. And I think, honestly, the state is just wrapping up its um, mandatory listening sessions. Uh, so under this program, uh, the state has to do listening sessions across the region uh, to create a broadband plan. And then from that plan, they can have um, ISPs and others apply for, for funding. Uh, so the state is watching um, the village of Sherburn, actually, which has its own utility uh, that has also rolled out, rolled out a small-scale fiber project. Uh, and so Sherburn used the same contractors that we did for our feasibility plan. We already work closely with them as a, a fellow uh, municipal utility company. Uh, so we're working through that process, and uh, we're still hoping the city of Jamestown becomes the first city in the state of New York to have uh, its own municipal fiber program. So, okay, so I, I guess when I was looking at the press release, I didn't realize that municipalities could also apply for this funding to establish uh, a, a municipal broadband program. Well, we're not sure yet. Okay. Uh, there's been no there's been no specific uh, information, but the state is I think the state has to put out an actual plan. Uh, and in some discussions with the state, uh, you know they've encouraged us to look at the application. All right. Once uh, it comes out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, thinking about, and it was kind of one of those uh, backwards things that you were talking, we were talking about you working on hiring a public information officer, but you also announced recently that you've hired a new deputy comptroller and we were introduced to her at the uh, the voting session in June. Uh, can you tell us more about, about Carol and her background? Yeah, we're really excited to have um, Carol Malik join us uh, as in the comptroller's office, our finance uh, division. Uh, as you know, we've been without a comptroller for a period of time. We've uh, been so lucky to have uh, Joe Bolito step back in to assist us uh, just to wrap up last year and to, to get us on good footing for this year. Uh, and we've had some uh, wonderful opportunity for Jen Williams, our city clerk slash treasurer, to also step up and help manage uh, some of the finances for the city. So it's certainly been a lot. There's a, there's a lot that goes on in the city on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, but we're very excited to have uh, Carol. Uh, Carol comes uh, from prior employment was with Athenix, uh, who has recently kind of you know uh, uh, reduced their staff, closed down, what have you. Uh, so she's got some uh, prior accounting experience uh, in various, uh, various locations and different types of uh, organizations. And uh, she uh, lives right here in the city. Uh, she's a Buffalo native originally. And we're, uh, we're just excited to, to be able to have her come in, see the work, see if she likes it, and uh, to, to have her help us make sure the ship's continuing to go in the right direction. So she's probably going to be pretty heavily involved with the budget process this year? She will be, yeah. That'll be one of the first things she has to, she has to undergo, uh, which will be the budget process. We were just talking about the, uh, the first budget memo we put out to all the departments. Uh, it starts to get people a little nervous, but tells them they got to kick it up in high gear. Uh, and so she'll also be overseeing the, uh, the transition in our accounting software. So our accounting software is from the early 2000s. 
and uh, we'll be moving that, upgrading it to a modernized uh, version of that software. Uh, so as she's starting to learn the uh, the complete nuances of the old software, she'll be helping us move us in uh, to some of the, the newer, more modern software as well. So she's got a lot going on on top of the budget, as well as the software, as well as learning uh, the role of the finance department uh, at this time. Mm -hmm. Do you anticipate that you'll be continuing to look for a comptroller for this year? Is this something that's kind of on hold now that you have a deputy comptroller? Yeah, it's a great question, Julia. So I think one of the things is that we wanted to bring uh, Carol in, and we brought her in as uh, the deputy comptroller, uh, because the, the frankly, the comptroller position runs with the term of the mayor. Uh, and so there is, that, that ends this year. Uh, there's an election this year. So we, uh, I, I'm very cautious about uh, filling that comptroller role in knowing that anything can happen, right? And uh, more importantly, very few people want to take it knowing that their term is going to could potentially end in a couple months and uh, there's uncertainty on what happens next. Uh, so I get that. I understand it. And uh, the folks that we've talked to and uh, people that we've offered the comptroller position to, many have turned it down because of this fact. And I don't blame them, to be honest. I, there's uh, You would not want to take a new job with uncertainty. Uh, so we've been uh, lucky to have Carol join us, and uh, she's joined as a deputy comptroller, um, which does not have a term, which means she can continue on. And more importantly, there continues continuity in that office uh, going into the next year. Mm -hmm. how, how are you feeling about the budget process? I know it's very early. You haven't gotten the wish list from the various departments <laughs> yet. But in terms, I mean, I, I, I know we're very early in the process for budgeting, but how, what is your sense going into it right now? Well, I know that there's going to be a very large wish list this year uh, already. Uh, but so one of the things that we do in the city and one of the things I implemented when I first became uh, mayor, along with our former comptroller, Ryan Thompson, uh, is we uh, we ended up doing a monthly meetings with every department. So we review their budget to date. We talk about what cash flow issues they, they need to have. But more importantly, those meetings, we've started talking about what's your next year's budget going to look like and uh, how are we going to manage that? And, and, you know, it's going to be, it's just going to be tough every year, unfortunately, it is tough. Uh, but one of, the, uh, one of the things that we're going to be looking at this year is making sure that we get back to our core services. Right, that we're providing the basic things that we need to do as a city. And once we figured those things out, we can start to look at the additional uh, services that we can provide. Mm -hmm. Anything else uh, going on that you'd like to give us an update on? What isn't going on this summer? Holy smokes. Uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, everything from the municipal band uh, to, I, I think, flamethrowing. Uh, that's a flamethrowing event with Lunar Pyros. I don't, I don't uh, think they're throwing. I think they're dancing. With they're fire. dancing. They're, You're right. There, there'll be no flamethrowing. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're dancing. But we're very excited about, about, this, about the program. And we're just we're excited to see the amount of things going on in the city. Uh, there's no lack. Every time I look at my calendar, I, I see something else that is happening that's just so incredible uh, for the city of Jamestown. And we're just we're just excited. It's a great summer to be here in the city of Jamestown. Great. Mayor Sunquist, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Julia.